Does this podcast have a name? H&B Conversations with Cosmo and Rivka. H&B Conversations with Cosmo and Rivka. With Rivka and Cosmo. With Rivka and Cosmo. You have a nice voice. Thank you. I had to make up for yours. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I'm only ever teasing you. Hello and welcome back to H&B Conversations with Rivka and Cosmo. I did it. You did it. I did it. Now, you have to say, doesn't she have a much nicer voice than I do? Thank you. She does. <laughs> so, um, uh, now you have to do your hello. Okay, so this week I'm saying it's a casual hello in Russian, and it's and it goes like this. Privet. 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 I think you're saying it with an Italian accent. Privet. Like you're like, you know, an Italian trying to speak Russian. I'm saying it better. <laughs> Well, I don't think you know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> so, know. Yeah. But I am an Italian of Italian origin saying. Privet. Yes, you are. But you don't speak Italian. No. But I think true. when you go to do accents, you naturally go into an Italian accent. Anyways, so privet is how you say hello in Russian. The casual It's like hello. hi. Yeah, it's like hi. Like, like You could say that to anybody. Privet. It's like a saying hello, but with brevity. Breviet. Brevity. Breviet. See, okay. it's a wordplay there. It helps you help you remember. Now you're acting like you're Greek. You're like, know all the root words for different things. Oh, and... not, it's not a root word thing. It's simply, uh, you know, like, you know, making a, a mnemonic device to help you remember the word. So the brief way to say hello in Russian is breviet, like brevity. See? Okay. That's fabulous. But I'm not going to remember any of that. Oh. I just remember Privet. Okay. So, Antonio, are we going to spin that wheel and come up with a question? Uh, yeah, I already did. All right. So, so what's the question? First question is, um, does any moment stick out to you where you felt God's presence in an unexpected place? In an unexpected place. Did they hear you say that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. In an unexpected place. Oh, my gosh. I have 50 years to think about practically now. Um, I think we've talked about a lot of when we felt it was unexpected, like when God called us into, you know, what we feel like is Jewish ministry. Um, yeah, perhaps maybe I'm trying to think in terms of where there was this, like, my I'm imagining the question is is asking where you had this palpable sense like where it would be this overt spiritual experience, but in a place that you didn't expect to have it. So you're not in a congregational setting. You're not in a place where you're looking for a spiritual thing to happen. I know that I've, for me, there have been moments, well, one specific, I think the, the most impactful time in my life was when I really, I really, I was right before we met and I just felt despair, like true despair and depression and alone and, and I was just in a place feeling like God wasn't reaching out to me where I was just consistently reaching out to the Lord. And, um, and I just, I just knew that I was, I felt like I was going to die. Like if I, if something didn't change, if God didn't come to me, talk to me, I was going to die. And I was really angry and bitter with the Lord. Honestly, it's probably why he wasn't actually, he's probably coming to me. And I was like, back off. I don't want anything. But, um, and so I went into my closet and I had an amazing supernatural, like three and a half, four hour experience with the Lord. But 
and that wasn't in a church setting or a service setting or anything like that. It was just between me and God. So for me, that would be that. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to think. I mean, again, this is part of of not having had time in advance to kind of consider the questions. You know, the processing's part of the But I yeah, I think about um you know, I I think about when I've had an unexpected an unexpected place. I, I you know, now I've had an, I, I, there's that one time, but for me, the, a lot of these other than the, the closet experience for me, um, which is a whole story in and of itself, but, um, is like, you know, when I was in that service, when we were, when I was in Greece and we were at that conference mm-hmm. and again, I you was, can tell the story. you want me to tell the story? Sure. So <clears throat> I was a teenager and I was in high school and, you know, teenagers want what they want. And I was dating someone and, um. And I was really in rebellion against my parents. And not not because I was dating someone. I was just in rebellion <laughs> in general, um, doing what I wanted. And I was just really angry and bitter that I wasn't, like, allowed to do what I wanted. I wanted what I wanted. And so we were, it was, um, we were at this conference in Cyprus. I don't remember the name of the speaker. My parents would remember who it was. But I was, um, I was at the back of the room, just like most teenagers do. They sit at the back and... And I could feel, I, I could feel the tug of God at me, but I was so angry because in being rebellion, in rebellion against my parents, I wasn't just, it was also against the Lord. Um, but I could sort of feel, and so I was really mad. And as teenagers do, they kind of, you know, ones that are angry and rebellious, they'll get in your face, you know? So I'm standing at the back and this guy's preaching and he's going on and everyone's there and it's same old, same old for me personally. Like, here we are, another service, another worship time. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. And um, so I'm at the back and I'm sitting there and he's lo- the preacher's loud and everything I think is kind of loud from what I remember. And I just had this moment and I just said, you know what, Lord? Or I probably called him just God. I was like, you know what, God? I was just like, if you're there, if you're really there and you're really, you know, you want me and you want to talk to me, then I want this preacher to stop this service and I want him to come right down that aisle and I want him to lay his hand on my head and I want you to speak to me. And, you know, that's a big ask or, or you know, I dare you. So I think I dared him to do something that in no way did I think he would do. However... In the middle of the service, like as soon as I stop saying that, in the middle of the service, all of a sudden he stops, he comes walking down the aisle, places his hand on my head, and he says, daughter of God, you need to repent. I call, And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I, you know, I dropped to my knees and I was like, okay, I get it. I repent. I repent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So that was a, an experience for me that I'll never forget that was between me and the Lord. And it wasn't a service situation. But I don't think it was a typical situation. And I was it wasn't really something you expected. No, not at all. I mean, I really felt like I was asking a whole lot. You know, stop the service, walk down the aisle in front of everyone. Right. And he just put his hand on my head and called me to repentance. And it wasn't a small. It wasn't. I don't remember it. I don't remember it hitting my head. But I don't remember it being gentle either. It was like a firm girl. You need to say you're sorry. Did he have a southern accent? That's right. God always does, doesn't he? Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the the thing that comes to my mind right now that I guess would have been unexpected 
is that even though you know that when the scripture says that God is close to us in our brokenness, um, I remember several years ago, um, you know, you and I were, Riv and I were, you know, we've been married now 25 years and we were in a, I, I, I had, I had kind of been working on becoming who I thought God wanted me to be. And then it felt like in one day where I just kind of like lost my cool and was yelling at my family and, um, you know, um, and I, then like, I, I, it's like I blew everything up in one day. And I remember, um, I think I spent the next month in tears there was a softening and a breaking that happened to me in that moment that like a, a humbling when I like kind of when I kind of came out of my own delirium of thinking I was so right I was so convinced of my rightness that um that uh when I kind of woke the, the only way I can describe it is sort of came to from a from a <laughs> hypnotic state of thinking you were right to see what have I done um, and um, and I it was during that um, that month that I felt like just just the Lord began to open like even his word began began to become alive to me in a way that I that it had never been and I've been I've been walking with the Lord serving the Lord since I was a teenager I didn't have this outright rebellious thing that happened um and 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 but I was you know the the scripture talks about in in uh in the book of James um you know, in the same same passage where it says, resist the devil and he will flee, um, but later it says that God resists the proud. And 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 I think that over a period of time, uh, there's this like slow becoming, like this slow, unseen, uh, self-deceptive pride that begin, began to... Uh, that had been taking root, maybe not begin to, it had been there for probably a long time and I had been blind to it. And, uh, and so in that place of, um, of just in the moment when I was, when I found myself most aware of how far I was from being the man who I, who I knew God wanted me to be, it was in that moment. And I know that, like, in retrospect, that doesn't sound like a surprising place. Like, of course, in your humility, that's where God meets you when you finally are humbled. But um, it's getting to ha having to get to that place of humility. Um, it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm on the cusp of having a life-changing experience with God. So, so sometimes, I guess the thing in both circumstances, it, it, it would be in that place where I mean, what you're describing is something that was almost defiant in its challenge, mm -hmm. um, um, overtly defiant. Mine was a more hidden defiance, even hidden to myself. Uh, and yet in that, when the Lord breaks that, 
then then there can be then you can actually have maybe ears to hear what he's been yeah, trying think, to say to you all along. <clears throat> I think usually for me I'm I'm pretty self aware. Um, I think women in general we tend to not all of us, but we tend to self analyze to an extreme, probably unhealthy point. But <clears throat> when we're self analyzing, um, we have a self-awareness of that we can be difficult or we can be sensitive or we can be happy or we can be generous. Like, and we know what we want to be like, so we're focused on that. So we tend to look at the um, – or want to see what are my weak spots What because I don't want to be that. Where, like in the same way, there's that analogy. Is that what it would be called? I don't know. Where a woman looks in the mirror and she sees everything wrong and a guy looks in the mirror and he's like, I'm fantastic. I look great because you kind of suck in. You kind of suck in your gut. Right. You stand up a little <clears throat> taller when you're not walking around that way. Right. And so um, <laughs> in the same way, when we were first in our relationship, we'd been together, I don't know, um, a month, you know, because we were together super quick. But you looked at me one day and you said, <laughs> you go, I can't even imagine ever fighting with you or arguing with you. And I looked at you and said, are you crazy? I'm going to drive you nuts. Yeah. Like I knew, I knew me and I know that I have my issues and I could be challenging. You know, what was so surprising to me. But was... you didn't know, like you thought you were so wonderful that everything that was going on in that moment, you were like, this is how it's always going to be. Well, what I was going to say, what's, what was so surprising to me at that stage of my life, I mean, we were young, but you feel like you've been around. I mean, I was well, you're as old as you've ever, You're older than you've ever uh, been. Yeah. I set a new personal record for living. Um, and, uh, so I was at a point where, like when I was young, when I was like in elementary school um, and when someone would bully me, I, I was a fighter. Yeah. And I would fight. I had a lot of fights in elementary school. Not so many in junior high, a handful. And, and a couple in early high school. And I really had this... Um, temper. This really bad temper that like when I would get lit, angry i would be just see red in my you know my i'd had i had this v vein in my head that would pop out you know kind of thing i'm familiar with the v vein <laughs> <laughs> and so so i remember at 15 i had this experience on the on we we had been playing baseball uh we'd, we were coming back from a baseball game and uh, uh we had lost the game and this kid had challenged me about something and and uh anyway he he just backhanded my face softly and I just, I just unloaded on him. Mm -hmm. And and it was a point in my life when I was really, I had, I had given my life to the Lord in, in seriousness. And so the next day I came to my team and I went to him and I went to my team and I apologized because I was trying to live out a good witness before them. And I had, um, and I had blown it all in that one moment. And, um, but then... I prayed, I prayed, Lord, to take this temper away from me and whatever, whatever. And so I prayed. And over the next several years, there had been, from the time, from that time to the time when we were married, there had been nothing or no one that had the emotional, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The ability emotionally to upset me or make me angry. Well, you got to do whatever you needed to do for you. So that must. So I be by the time we got we get, were getting married, I thought I had beaten my temper. I thought I had conquered this mm -hmm. this anger, and 
And so I was fully confident. It wasn't that I just thought somehow I was great, although I'm sure I did on some level. Yeah, of course I, I did. I was like, you know, yeah, hey, I, I you know, I, I want I want to be someone that's, you know, that's worth getting the the best girl or whatever. You know, I wanted. So, yeah, I had I had an ego. Um, but I I uh, I didn't want to have one. And I didn't want to be someone who got angry easily. And then when we got married, <laughs> there were buttons I didn't know I had. There no were bugs you buttons. didn't? Oh, you buttons. You know, you could push buttons that I didn't know I had. Yeah. I didn't even have to try. You, you could, like, like, it was amazing. I, like, I was like, I, like, no one ever had the ability to make me that angry. And, uh, but, it, but I think part of it is people that aren't, that you don't, People that don't have that kind of emotional relationship well, when you're, when you're in a, to you, they they don't have the ability to affect. Well, you. right. When you're in a relationship that you have to give of yourself, when you're single, you don't have to give of yourself to anything that you don't want to give of yourself to. So right. if you're so, working a job, you want to give of yourself there, and you're getting a paycheck, mm-hmm. you get to choose the friendships that you want. A lot of people in ministry choose what they want to do for ministry. So it whatever works for them, whatever makes them comfortable. So you can have a certain you're protecting those buttons. You're intentionally not not putting those buttons out you there to be pushed. You put yourself in the best, in the most. Sure, yeah. And places. but when you're married, you know that person's with you all the time, and you're having to give of yourself. And if you don't, that person begins to go on empty because that's what marriage is. It's filling one another, and so you had to give of yourself, and um, and that made you vulnerable because you're giving of yourself. And I think part just of it, my very existence, apparently. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't that. Of course, not your very existence. I think part of it was, um, you could see me, and you saw things in me that no one else could. Right, and you didn't like that. Well, I didn't. It's not that I didn't you like did, that. You, no, you didn't like it. You didn't agree. I didn't see it. And then, so therefore, you didn't agree. I didn't agree, and but what I was going to say was, you didn't just see it; you you saw something, said something, right? Because <laughs> I too was a fighter, right? So you would call it out, which and and which I liked when we were remember that you know when we were when I first met you, and I don't know, did we did I share the story? Like so so this? No, you can. Yeah. I don't think we did. So <clears> one <throat> of the early conversations that we had. Um, there was a friend of mine that was part of my core group that just like a month earlier when before I had Rivka had come back, like shown up in the library that day. If you'd listen to our other podcast, I had I had this there was this other girl I was seeing and we had all been hanging out. And and uh, I'm going to just say and I was I when we left that day, I was talking. I, I said, you know, I feel like I wasn't nice to my friend Ed. Like I was giving Ed a hard time. And uh and and I felt I felt bad about it, and uh, and the girl was with me, and she was like, "No, I think you were fine," which is what I think most guys want in a wife. <laughs> and she was like, "You were fine," and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know." You I supported. Don't, I was like, and... "I don't know that I was okay, I, that it was okay." No, you didn't do anything wrong, and and uh, and this kind of because she had a new she was from New York, um, <laughs> and uh, see, it's not just an Italian accent. You didn't do anything wrong. She and I was like, "Really? Okay." And so then. Fast forward a month, and Fast forward a whole month, and now I'm sitting at the I'm, I'm sitting at the we were the, in, the in the library, library studying, the table. and and so Ed comes and he sees I'm sitting with Rib, 
and so he knows that this was a girl I was totally well, everybody crazy knew. about. Everybody knew, yeah. Everybody that was close to me did. And so he comes up to the table and he starts doing this thing and where he he's does, like the, he does the friend thing. The friend thing like, hey, like hey. eyes, yeah, what's going on? You know, and I was like, and so I'm looking at him like kind of with my head motioning like, okay, you can leave now, Ed. Okay, you're like like you're mess I'm trying to don't I'm trying to be cool here and I need you to like go away or whatever. And and so when he I'm I'm like, hey Ed, you know, eyes wide and so like, he get out of here. <laughs> and and I can't even say that it was something I outrightly like noticed I could pinpoint. I remember just looking at him and looking at you and looking at him and looking at you. Cause as far as I was concerned, one of your friends just came over to say hi. Yeah. And you were very much like, you know, all right, dude, you can go now, you can leave. And this was really out of character for me because in most relationships that I was in, um, I was really insecure. I didn't speak up. I got upset about things like regular people do, but I really didn't, I really wasn't confident enough to speak up. And I didn't even think it it just happened where when he leaves and I looked at you and I just said, "Um, you think you're better than him. Don't you? Yes, but you looked I, at I me. Say, you, she looked at me and she goes, "You think you're bad." And she, you actually said you didn't say it with attitude. There wasn't hostility in your voice. It was like an. Observation. It was an observation. Yeah. And you looked at me and you said, "You think you're better than him, don't you?" And, and I was like, "And you went what?" I went what? And you said, "You think he's lucky to be your friend?" And first of all, I was, <laughs> bec- I was blown away, and I looked at her and I was not offended. Yeah, I think most guys would have at that I was point been not, like, I'm out. I was not angry. I, w- I looked at her and I thought, and I said, you know what? I, like as soon as she said it, she spotted something in me that I needed to see. And she said something about it. And I was grateful for it. Yeah, and, and you I, have been ever since. And I, hold on. So, so <laughs> I was grateful for it. I was like, I was like, no, you're right. Because the thing I remember with that, with the other, with the other girl, like being like, well, this girl's just going to tell me what I want to hear. She's not going to make me any better. And here was a girl who would tell me what I didn't want to hear, but that would make me better. So now you fast forward to when we get married, and now you see things, you observe things and in my character, now and now we're married. Except now, instead of me recognizing that here I have someone who is like like a consultant, who can see the weaknesses in your corporation, who can see the weaknesses in who you and are. And only has every interest can, in making you and, better. And has the interest in making you better, speak to it. And, that's, and, that, and so when you would point out something in me that I didn't agree with, because I didn't see it, I would utterly reject it. And then resent you for having pointed it out. I wouldn't have, I didn't see it as resentment. I didn't, I didn't classify it in my own heart as resentment. Mm-hmm. But I began to, to feel under attack. I began to feel in self-pity when your goal was, you were, look, you saw it and you called it out. And um, rather than being like, like when you said you think he's better than he you think you're better than him rather than than having a heart that was grateful and being like you're going to make me better i foolishly uh rejected it and then was angry with you and so now you i was i was there was the ability to affect me in a way that no one else had no one else had the power in my life i think that's how the lord makes marriage though because iron sharpens iron 
people who come together, we just tend to not recognize that. Like you, it's like something you liked before marriage, but then once you were married, then your brain told you, now this is what a wife is supposed to do. She's not supposed to question. She's not supposed to challenge. She's not supposed to do like boom, 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 all these things. Yeah. And so it's not that it was a conscious thought. No, none of it. Yeah. None of it was a conscious thought. But, it was all emotive. But God puts people together to make both of them better. Right. So. Right. And so, so, um, I think we've gone off topic from the, but well, I go back, to, but well, I think to, to bring it back around full circle though, is to say that, that you fast forward and you realize that it was in, it was in the moment of the breaking, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when for all these years, not to go into like a sermon mode or anything, but it's just what I see in the scriptures for all these generations, Israel is safely, comfortably in the land. But it's not until the Lord finally has to, he rips them out of their place of comfort and puts them in, in, in the, and they're in exile. And he says, look, my plan here is, it feels like a plan to harm, but it's a plan to heal you, to give you hope and a future. Your only hope is to go through this pain. And it was in that place that they... That he said, you know, what he was like, I'm going to give you a, a new heart, a heart of flesh, uh, is what he tells Ezekiel. So it was in the place of exile, in the place of pain, that was the unexpected place. They didn't encounter the presence of the Lord in the temple. They encountered the presence of the Lord in exile. Mm-hmm. And and what I've found in my own life is that, and and I don't I don't want it to have to stay there, you know. Like I don't want to have to come to a so place. So you just of need to learn the lesson then. Broken. Like whatever lessons, like you will continue to go through the same things over and over and over again. If there's something that Lord's trying to teach us, we can either be slow learners or we can be fast learners. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to keep going through it, then you need to be a fast learner. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's I'd say in brokenness that would be the place. Um, yeah, because otherwise, in terms of like an experience, you know, I'll say one other thing. I'll say one other thing. You know, one place that I, uh, in an unexpected way, what began in that season of my life, that was in early, actually, uh, early 2017. And it was, and right after that was when the Lord began this real transformation, even in our congregation, even in me. And one of the unexpected places I really found um, that I really encountered the Lord was the things that he was teaching me as I was getting healthy physically. There was began, began to be this out, outward um, uh, demonstration like of what the Lord was doing in me spiritually um, and that there was a change that was happening, a real, a real transformation. And that was a whole process. But even I began to recognize when I would be uh, in the midst of doing different, <clears throat> doing my exercises and doing things that I normally had hated to do. Uh, it was like the, there was so much the Lord was teaching me in that process of getting healthy about just the way that he works, um, in, in us mm-hmm. anyway, but that's another story. But. So, yeah. All right. So there's that question. Did you want to give us a second question, Antonio? Uh, well, we have we we have time for a second. When you guys really ran with that one, I didn't think it was that one was gonna. Okay. I didn't think I'd take as long as it did. Well, I mean, you can cut um, out whatever you want to cut out. No, 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 no. I, I don't think I'd cut any of it. I'm just. I'm, so let's I'm, just do I'm, another one. Yeah, I want to do another one. I just want to make sure we like have. 
Time. I want to do one that will fit within a reasonable amount of time because a lot of these are big questions. All right. So I think I'm well, just... what you may be surprised with is sometimes some of the big questions we may not uh, yeah. stay on for an exorbitantly long time. Yeah, I think I think one that can fit within the within what we have is um, is doing a follow up on in I think it was two episodes ago, maybe last episode, but I think it was two episodes ago. Um, we, you were talking about the fruit of the spirit for mm. a good bit of that. And, and mom, mom said that, uh, humility is a fruit of the spirit. And with, with obviously the listed fruits of the spirit, it's not listed there, but I thought maybe you could, you could kind of like elaborate on what you meant by humility right okay i've seen humble like when we go through them humble is usually well in terms of when typically i remember when you first said that my thought the because i know the the legalist uh in me and the technical person in me and and is that i know there's somebody out there going wait a minute uh humility is not listed because as one of the god's of not well, humble well in galatians chapter five humility? right in galatians chapter five the the fruit of the spirit is listed in uh, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? Gentleness, that word, uh, it speaks to something to do with humility. But I think the issue is this. I think the fruit of the spirit is what does it look like when the spirit of the Lord is dwelling within you? And I think that's the heart or of it. Or coming off of you. Right, flowing through you. Yeah, what, what's... Flowing out of you. What's the fruit that's being born in your life? Right. Right, and, and Yeshua said... When you see me, you've seen the Father. Right. What I feel like, though, the way you're you're saying that, born in me, but what's going on in me, that to me says that when somebody says that, that's the expectation they have within themselves. The reason why I say what is coming off of you is because what is coming off of you is what they see. So how are you behaving, speaking, treating others? That's the fruit I'm looking for. Not what you think's just in you while you're sitting there. Well, no, that's not what I was No, saying. no, no, I know. But I think, I feel like sometimes people are like, I feel like I'm these things. Right. When it's what others perceive through us that is what the fruit. What are they tasting? Yeah. What are they picking off your tree? Right. Basically. Right. And so here's the, the list. In, in... And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's what the world sees in us. Right. What is the world perceiving in us? Does they do they see the fruit of the spirit coming off of us? Because that is what the world it's not each other. I mean, it is each other, like right, like you and I, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. supposed to say, okay, hey, I'm not seeing this or this is what I am seeing. But it's really easy to if you're with like let's say two people who are kind and who are nice to each other and we respect each other's boundaries and you know all this kind of stuff that's easy but when someone's actually coming for you when someone's trying to persecute you when someone's treating you in a way that we say the world treats us how are we treating them are we still reflecting god's love or i mean or are we just justifying and and making excuses for why it's okay for us to treat them that way. Right. When I think that's where it's really the true test of who are we in unity with. Yeah, and and there's well there's and the two things that I, I would say here's number one on a technical level um if you look up the fruit of the spirit the the list that's listed off in Galatians chapter 5. Um that one of those one of the fruit of the spirit is in, in um in the TLV, 
is, uh, let's see, is gentleness. It's also in the NASV is gentleness, right? And the Greek word for that is, is often, it, it's often, um, it's pratis, which is translated as gentleness or meekness or humility. Right. Because I've also seen meekness. Right. As, as being one and, of the fruit of and the so, And so that's the first <clears throat> thing I would say is that on a technical level, um, that absolutely the humility is listed as one of the fruits of the spirit. But what I, the second thing that I want to talk about that I want to point out is that thing in me that wants to, um, that wants to get all like if, if, if you were listening and you're like, well, just a second, humility is not one of the fruits of the spirit. And you sort of had this thing rise up in you, this, this attitude about like this corrective attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would say just be be aware of that because that's that there can be within us sometimes within our technicalities where we begin to develop a spiritual pride that that is not the fruit of the spirit. Again, like pointing back to what I was talking about earlier in regard to the first question, where the scripture says actually God resists the proud. Right? That's the that's the opposite of his character. And so when we're walking in genuine humility, when our hearts from the deepest parts of us are humble, that's going to flow out of us. Um, and that's going to be reflected. It should, where it should flow out of us in a supernatural way is when we are in a natural experience. But what's coming out of us is not natural. What's coming out of us is supernatural. And when it says, you know, God is love, love, it's not just... It's not just he's like love, like he loves everybody or gentle and he's gentle. Like it's all encompassing. These are all one thing that create a God of love. And so when we're, I don't think naturally these things come off of us, at least not long term. We can fake it for a long time. We can even think that we're being transformed because we're able to, in different situations, we're able to um, project these things. But it's when we're in a situation that is really um, a difficult one, like I said, like one of persecution, one of where um, you're being bullied or you're being picked on or people are coming for you or accusing you of things. It happens to me all the time. And in those moments is like, um, you know, you've said to me before when I'm dealing with an individual and they'll really come for me and they'll be really um, unkind. And I respond like it doesn't it doesn't hardly affect me. I respond in kindness and I'm like, well, hold on and let's, let's respond like this. And, and I'm very gentle and I'm clear and I'm, um, it's not like I'm just a doormat. I'm very clear, but I'm kind and I'm gentle and I'm loving and I bring clarity. And you've said to me before, I don't know how you do that. Well, the reality is I don't feel like I do that. I feel like that is something that supernaturally comes off of me because the natural part of any individual would be like, hey, hold on, you don't get to do that. Who do you think you are? That's the defensiveness that comes because we feel under attack. But when we're under attack, when we don't respond defensively, when we don't respond in a way that is natural, but it just comes off of us in a supernatural way to be all the things that God is, that's the greatest testimony. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to blow up like, oh, look how great I am. I'm just saying that when I've, for me. Those are the moments that most reflect. Right. And so it's so easy 
to go, look how great I am when we put ourselves in situations that allow for us to easily be great. Right. It's like I have a, there's a friend in my life, a mentor in my life who used this phrase, um, use the phrase pop quizzes. Um, and he talks about these moments in life in it, relationally where, that you weren't planning on when the, it, you, it's not a test you were preparing for. Right. But it's in that moment, the pop quiz shows really where you're at, mm -hmm. right? So that if you sit down in a classroom and the teacher says, okay, pull out your papers, we're going to take a pop quiz today. And you're like, I didn't know, I didn't study for it. Well, now he's going to teach her, she, he or she is going to know what you've really learned. Right, but what and, we do though, what we do when those pop quizzes come up and we fail those pop quizzes, we then rationalize why it was reasonable to fail that pop right. quiz instead of recognizing, oh no, this is where I, I need failed to study. there because it was all about me and it wasn't about the Holy Spirit in me coming out of me. Yeah, and this shows, so that's where, um, and, it, and it shows where we're at and so the lord reveals those things right because look we're there's a there's um you know one of the phrases that i um that i use and i it's it's an idea that i get from something from what peter writes in the in the first chapter of uh i believe it's first peter i get i always get confused but um uh, where the where peter tells us to begin adding uh, you know, one thing, uh, it must be second Peter. Hold on a second. Let me read it to you real quick here. Second Peter, second Peter one says his divine power has given us everything we need. Verse three for life and godliness to the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue. Um, to, let me skip ahead. Verse five. Now for this very reason, make every effort making every effort add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, speaking of knowing him, and to knowledge self-control and to self-control patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly love and to brotherly love love. For if these qualities are in you and increasing, they keep you from becoming idle and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. So he's talking about adding these qualities in ever-increasing measure, right? So I'm not who I was, and I'm not who I'll be, but I'm supposed to be growing into the likeness of him, uh, of Yeshua. So the question is, like, so the fruit of the Spirit being, like, what, when, when Jesus says, when Yeshua says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? He's reflecting the character of the Father. And our desire is to know him in such a way, to walk with him in such a way, so that when in the moment when push comes to shove, that when, what naturally comes out of me is something that looks more and more like him, looks more like of what would, what was that? No, <laughs> oh, that I think that was an affirming. That was an affirming. <laughs> that was a thumbs up sound saying you're right on the money, Cosmo. Nailed it. Dun and that's a winner of an answer. Now, was your was your phone? I, I don't know. I just picked it up to look at it, and and it just I gave it you clearly some... was not. I thought it was on mute, but it's clearly not. So it just so that. if we grow in these things, and that and so that's the the question is, you, you know, that. Like I, you see, he, Yeshua's humility demonstrated. You see, God's in demonstrating the character of God, not only in when, obviously, when they, you know, when they pulled on his beard, when they spit in his face. You know, it says when they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. It says in First Peter chapter two, but also just in the very nature in which God pursues us. 
Like he, he's so above us. He doesn't need us. And yet he lowers himself to us. And that, that is an expression of the character of God repeatedly. And, and so when we find ourselves in places where we're like, well, I'm not going to lower myself to do such and such and such. The question is, what would Yeshua do? We're just naturally that way. I mean, no one had to teach a 18 month old to make little fists and be like, when people, when he feels taken advantage of like our godson, Samuel, he'll take his little fists and he'll like do like an incredible whole thing where he'd be like, cause he's like so mad. No one had to teach him that. No one has to teach a two year old to fight back. It is in the nature of who we are. It is natural. And it is the hardest thing to fight nature. I tell my children all the time, you're not going to be able to do these things. You can keep trying, but you're not able to project that because it's not natural. It's supernatural. Only with the supernatural experience in your life, with God within you, the Holy Spirit operating in you, are you able to then walk in that. And we don't even, it is, it is those moments that reveal to us whether we are or we're not. It's not about how good you talk or what you have or the platforms that exist. I think all those, the pomp and circumstance of this life and it, it's in the small little secret moments that God looks down and goes, well, you're doing well or you're not. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, how we, the quiz is not intended to fail us. The quiz is intended to help us, to help us pass stand before the fi- for the final exam. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, the the Lord in every test that we go through that feels like it's intended to hurt us, exile, pain, whatever the pop quiz is, the the loss of something or someone or some of, of a deep disappointment in that moment in life um, is what is comes out of me in that moment. Where am I? And and the and it tells me Okay, Lord, I know you're still working on me. Continue to grow me and in more into your likeness. You know, my a friend who used the phrase supernatural in a different way, he'd say, I want this to be, I want this to, I want the fruit of the spirit to be like super natural for me, to be really, really natural, to be more and more of who I am um, in, a, in a very increasingly normal, normative way. Yeah. So I think that, uh, that's probably, it ended up being where a lot of the theme of what we ended up looking at today, just through those two questions, um, Mm -hmm. has to do with the fact that, that humility is a fruit of the spirit and, and the brokenness that comes in that moment is really the place where we can have the most amazing transformative experiences unexpected unexpected experiences humbling yourself no matter where you are you can have a beautiful unexpected experience with the lord cool i love how the lord just knit knit all that together um so thank you for joining us today yeah hey and send us again send us your questions or and you uh you can send them uh send them to us oh they don't have to be complicated yeah, yeah oh, and they, in, they don't the have to be complicated. It's just even if there's a podcast that you've listened to and you have a question within that one, like, hey, what about this? Or that triggered a question that you might have. You can just feel free to send that in as well. And we'll just refer back and go over it. Right. And it, you can uh, you can text it to 602-903-6565. You can actually even call that number if you want and leave a voicemail if you want to leave the question voice wise. Um, or you can email email it to 
podcast at shalomaz.com. And uh, thanks again for listening. We we love that we've you know we've got, enjoyed hearing uh, your feedback on how you're enjoying these, and uh, and we do hope that it's a blessing. And we just honestly, this is we just want to be real, and uh, we're gonna. Um, just uh, pray that the, that through that the Lord will continue to minister. I'm sure it meets anybody who's watching it wherever. Somebody might just think, you know, no big deal. Oh, that was fine. And someone else it might have it impact. And Maybe exactly what they needed. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom, shalom, everybody. Have a beautiful day.